the I Am A Woman podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Strickland, and I'm nervous as a cat today. Yes, I am. (laughs) This is actually season one, episode one. I'm recording this from my home. And why am I even doing a podcast? Well, let me just tell you, I feel like I have to do a podcast. Uh, You know, for so many years, I have watched other women and, you know, people just, how many, how many words can we put out there in the world, right? (laughs) Do we really even need another podcast? Uh, Yeah, we do. I've decided we do. (laughs) Uh, The name of the podcast, I Am a Woman, where did, where did that name came from? I wrote a poem, actually, uh, back in 2017. I remember there was this women's march on Washington, and there was all of these women filling the streets, and they were wearing these pink hats. You probably remember it. And they look—a lot of them seemed angry, but there was grandmothers and mothers and daughters, and they were holding signs, and they had their causes. And I remember thinking to myself, what, you know, what, are, what are we marching for? I know what are what is this really about? And I found out later that pro-life women were not invited to the I Am a Woman March, which I found very interesting. There was a woman, uh, she was an actress, and she got up and began reading this poem at the march called I Am a Nasty Woman. And I think this was around the time that some famous person also was quoted by saying she wanted to blow up the White House. So there there are some women who are a little angry. And (laughs) in the poem, she was snarling. And this is a respected actress, actually, like her movies. uh, But she was snarling, I am a nasty woman. I am an angry woman. And I remember thinking, is this the message that we really want to give our daughters that we're nasty or that we're noble, that we're angry or that we're able. And I talked to my mentor, Debbie Titus, about it. I'll never forget it. We were talking on the phone and she said, you know what? We need a new language for how to talk about what it is to be a woman. And I went to yoga one day, and I was literally in triangle pose. I'm not kidding you. And all of a sudden, it was like a flood of words came over me. I'm not nasty. I am noble. I'm not X-rated. I'm exceptional. I'm not angry. I am able. I'm not bitter. I'm beautiful. And all these words just started coming over me. And I I called a friend afterwards, and she goes, you have to write all that down. And so in 2017, I wrote seven poems Uh, I am a mother, I am a woman, I am a wife, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, and the Who I Am poem, which is an alphabetic poem, and they turned out to be like sonnets, (laughs) which is crazy. I don't know if you know what a sonnet is, but a sonnet is a 14-line poem, and Shakespeare was very famous for uh, writing sonnets because they could be memorized. And shortly after that experience, I went through some really difficult times in my family life. And I remember I would stand in the shower and I would repeat those words. I'm not angry. I'm able. I'm not bitter. I'm beautiful. And the things that we were going through at the time, I had every reason, right? You probably have every reason (laughs) to be angry, to be bitter, 
to be demeaning, right? To to be gloating all the different words that I'm thinking about that are in the poetry. You have every reason, right? To to in a way uh I guess you would say navigate or sort of drift to those characteristics depending on what might be going on in your life, but you also have this incredible power to choose to be not angry but able, not bitter but beautiful, not cantankerous but courageous, not demeaning but devoted. Like you we have an opportunity every day to decide if we want to be fearless or faithful, gloating or grateful, hateful or hopeful. And so as I began to memorize these poems and speak them actually from the stage at my events, they began to change me and they began to challenge me. And the I Am A Woman poem is uh, is really, back in 2017, that was really the beginning of the I Am A Woman podcast. Because those words, that poetry, uh, those Really, I guess they're adjectives. I am angry. I'll have to look that up if it's an adjective or a noun <laughs> in that kind of case. But it's sort of identity, what it is. Uh, the I am a woman poetry is identity poetry. And it teaches us who we are. It teaches us who we are. And because of that, it it really changed me from the inside out. And so... I didn't think I was going to do a podcast. Uh, I just thought I was going to sit down and write down these words, and they turned into a poem, and then they turned into words that that changed my life and that I held on to during some of the most difficult times in our lives. And so I'm excited. Uh, this is going to be a journey. I don't know where it's going. Let me tell you. In fact, I so don't know where it's going that this morning I had two messages planned for the first two episodes, and I was reading my Bible this morning, and I feel like God or the Holy Spirit or the Word of God, whatever, absolutely redirected my steps, and the first two episodes are not at all what I had planned. So, we are definitely walking on water here, but I've been in ministry for a long time, and I know exactly what that feels like. (laughs) We're stepping out of the boat, and we're going to take this step by step. And I just want to thank you so much for joining me. So today, my message for you is called, Are You Feeling Uninvited? Are you uninvited? We know as moms what it's like when our daughters, especially, why is it usually the girls? It's usually the girls (laughs) that bully each other and stop inviting your daughter to the sleepover. And what really stinks about Snapchat and all of that stuff is that when your daughter is not invited to a party, she knows it. (laughs) She knows it. In our day, we didn't know it because there was no social media. So we had no idea that our friends were having a party that we weren't invited to, or our friends all went out to dinner and they look like they're having such a great time and we were not invited. Uh, I remember a few years ago, a family member saying to me like, oh yeah, you should have come to that time. You know, we all went down to, you know, Palm Desert, whatever. And I was like, "Um, we weren't invited. (laughs) I wasn't offended, but I was like, um, my family wasn't invited. No, I don't have any offense about it at all. But it was just kind of funny. It's actually a really more serious thing uh, when our daughters feel like they're not invited. 
because kids can be so incredibly cruel. There is a story in the Bible about a woman who was uninvited. And I'm not really sure why she wasn't invited, uh, but we'll go ahead and dig into the scriptures just to figure out exactly why that was. You may know the story about the woman who was called the sinful woman. This is the story that really first connected me uh, to Jesus because I was a sinful woman. (laughs) I was a woman who um, really had been hurt at the time that I came to the Lord. I was a woman who was confused. I had been, I grew up in the modeling industry. That's another story, and I'll certainly be sharing little bits and pieces about that uh, in the I Am A Woman podcast, but that's not the point today. The point today is that when I came to Christ, I was really hurting. I was really lost, and I did not have... Uh, this word. I came from a wonderful, wonderful family, but church and reading the Bible and prayer and all of that really was not a part of of our life as a family. Um, It it is now uh, for my parents. Uh, My parents go to church all the time and support this ministry and are right behind me. My mom would be in the front row if she could be at at every single event uh, that I speak at. But growing up, Uh, we didn't go to church, and we didn't read the Word, and we didn't have prayer, really, as as a regular thing. And so I, I, when I read the Bible for the very first time, I was living over in Munich, and I was modeling in, in Italy and then moved on to Germany. And in Munich, I met some people who were handing out Bibles in a park, and they invited me to their church and eventually got me an English Bible. And I remember, I remember reading this English Bible for the very first time and, and, and reading about uh, the sinful woman. So we're going to I want to talk about the sinful woman but before I do before I do I want you right now to think about someone you know who's not invited I want you to to imagine someone in your mind right now who has never been invited or was invited once and didn't come and didn't get invited again Somebody who feels uninvited. I want you to think about that person right now, okay? Do you have them? Do you see them? You got your picture? Okay, I've got my picture. All right, we're on a journey. Let's figure out. Now, let me just say this really quickly. If you're not a Bible girl like I am, no worries. No worries. I wasn't either, and I am now, and... I'll tell you why in a second. So there's this woman, there's a big dinner basically going on, and I'm reading today from Luke 7, 36. There's a woman who's lived a sexually sinful life. Let me me just say that. If you look at the original languages, not only had she lived a sinful life, but apparently uh, her— she was notorious for sin. So she was kind of well-known. It's possible that maybe she had been uh, in a community 
of people who actively practiced sexual sin. Okay. So she was notorious for that and she was an outcast. Now, Jesus, okay, was a rabbi. And in the Jewish culture, rabbi means teacher, okay? And in the Jewish culture, if a woman or a man, anyone comes to an event where a rabbi is teaching and they're not invited, that is considered extremely inappropriate. Okay, it's totally inappropriate for this woman to walk in to the Pharisee's house and start approaching Jesus, and she knows it. And so she approaches him from the behind, and she begins to weep. She begins to get down on her knees and to cry. The scriptures say that these are uh, tears of adoration that she had actually learned that the teacher, they called him, the rabbi, Jesus, had come to town. As she began doing this, the religious people started getting really arrogant about it because they were like, you know what? She doesn't belong here. (laughs) I'm so sorry. She's not invited because she's living a sexually sinful life. And um, we don't approve of that. So she's not coming to Bible study with us. So the religious people in Jesus's day, the Pharisees, see God, let me just say this, (laughs) God hates pride. God hates it. And they were very prideful. And because of that, he often called them snakes, <laughs> hypocrites, <laughs> people who made things look good on the outside, but on the inside, they were full of death. He called them dead men's bones. And see, this story is really interesting because Simon the Pharisee, he doesn't say anything about the woman who's at Jesus's feet and weeping and being so inappropriate. He just thinks it. He's just looking at her. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked at someone? And you're like, oh, okay. It's really. And so Jesus questions Simon. Simon, <laughs> he knows what he he knows what you're thinking. I'm just letting you know you may not say something prideful or religious about people who weren't invited to come to Bible study because their life is so inappropriate. You don't have to say it, but you're thinking it. And Jesus knows it, and he hates pride and arrogance. And so he says to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. And you didn't give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. But this woman, do you see this woman? (laughs) He says to her, do you see this woman? From the time I entered, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little 
loves little. He tells him a story. And he says, Simon, I have a question. If somebody owed a money lender, like call it $100,000, and he couldn't pay him back, and, and somebody owed a money lender like 10 bucks and couldn't came, pay him back, and the money lender forgave both of them, the one who owed 10 and the one who owed 100,000, which one would love him more? Jesus says. And Simon's like, uh, I guess the one who owed him more. And he says, yeah. She's forgiven much because she loved much. It's kind of interesting uh, that he also says at the very end to the woman, he says, your faith has saved you. You can go in peace. And I looked up that word peace. You know what peace means? She was freed from the distress experienced of her sin. That's what it means to have peace. Did Jesus say to her, excuse me, you're going to need to lose, uh, uh, change your lifestyle. And then we'll talk about forgiveness. Excuse me, you're not invited, the Pharisees thought. And it really made me think about the religious people of today. So this is uh, interesting. I got a, a letter recently from a mother, and this is what she said to me. In school and in the media, they're teaching that sex is what you're born with and gender is how you feel about yourself. And if you're not aware of that, you really should Go to your local school board meetings because, you know, my mom was actually a sex education teacher and she taught an abstinence is best only program. Okay. She couldn't do it today because they're, they're really confusing kids about sex and gender. Okay. And I get, I get a letter from a mom and she says, you know, the teachers at school and my daughter's friends and in the media, they're teaching her that sex is what you're born with, but gender is how you feel. Okay. About yourself. And so her daughter comes home and she tells the mom, uh, I'm non-binary. She says, and the mom didn't never heard of it, and she began to go and look it up. And then she began talking to her daughter about it, and her daughter cried because she was incredibly confused. And then, over time, her daughter decided, no, no, I, I I'm not non-binary. I, I'm a girl. I'm a girl. And so the the daughter decided, now, now I'm a girl. And then the daughter came to herself later, and she says, no, 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 I'm queer. I'm queer. I'm I'm, de I'm definitely queer, and uh, and the mom uh, cried, and and it was difficult for her, and and the mom had long, amazing conversations with her daughter, and uh, she said that her daughter really hates her body, um, and tries to conceal her breasts, and the mom feels really broken about it. Now I don't know why. But she says in the letter that she stepped out of ministry. I'm just wondering who advised her to stop being in ministry because her daughter was hurting or struggling. That's kind of odd. 
because I remember being in ministry when my daughter was struggling, and uh, not not with this, but with just other things in our relationship. And I never had people advise me to step out of ministry. I mean, I focused more of my time on my daughter. And again, my daughter this had a, it was completely different. It wasn't this. It was just we struggled in our relationship, and and I began to believe that I was actually not able to do ministry because my daughter was a teenager, and the truth is she needed me, and I spent a lot more time at home, and I hung up the microphone for a while, and I should have. I should have. Um, so I don't have any judgment there, but I just found it kind of interesting. I'm just wondering who advised her, because what happens a lot of times is that women who are in ministry, if their kids start to struggle and 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 they're having identity issues or whatever it might be, they begin to believe that they're not uh, worthy or equipped or, oh, oh, I know what it is. You start thinking you're not perfect enough anymore. But the truth is, and I really hope that sometime this woman does go back into ministry, but now the daughter is 18. And this is what I wanted to tell you. The, the wonderful thing is the mom says that they still have a very loving relationship. This is what she says. What's true is that my daughter struggles with this. And what's true is the church has no love and no answers that are loving or helpful. And what's true is that she feels abandoned and rejected by Christians, maybe a little bit like the sinful woman, but Jesus didn't abandon her. In fact, He accepted her. He didn't reject her. He actually treated her like she was invited. <laughs> but the religious people were such snobs that they were judging her in their minds while Jesus was receiving her. It's kind of interesting. She says what's true is she feels abandoned and rejected by Christians. I wonder if the people who feel uninvited feel rejected by us because that would put us in the Pharisees' shoes. And the mom says, and I feel the same, and I struggle immensely. Really appreciate this, mom. I wanted to tell you, if in, in the time that you're listening— and following along with the I Am A Woman podcast, if you'd like to send me a letter, I'd really like to read it. Uh, if you've got questions about the church and you've got questions about these uh, identity, anything regarding really identity, then please write to me because when I get letters like this, it helps me put my thumb on the pulse of what moms and their daughters are really going through. And you are more our ministry. That is what we do, is we teach women and girls identity, value, and purpose that is really going to stand the test of time because it's in Christ. And Christ doesn't change. Their identities might change. Their feelings might change. But see, Malachi 3.6, the Lord says, I don't change. <laughs> That's exactly what God says. We change. I change. I'm always changing. And that's a good thing. But God never changes. And He says uh, in Numbers 23, 19, that I am, not a, I am not a man 
God says in Numbers 23, 19, I am not a man that I should lie nor change my mind about you. He says, I, I don't change. But right now, you might have a daughter who's changing. You might have a, a situation that's changing. And I want you to know that our ministry is here to support you. So definitely follow me on Facebook at Jennifer Strickland U R More. And that's the letter U, the letter R, and M O R E. By the way, you are more means that you are more than your wor- worst mistake. You are more than your worst moment. Because, see, Jesus here shows us she was more than the fact that she was an outcast and had lived. A sinful life, in her case, a sexually sinful life. Jesus looked at her and treated her like she was invited. I'm going to finish today with a challenge. Luke 14, 12, Jesus himself, red letter right here. It says it in the red letter. It says, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. Oh my goodness, Jesus himself tells us not to invite the people that we know. Why does he say that? He says, if you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Remember that person I asked you to imagine at the beginning of this podcast, at the very beginning? I want you to, I want you to think of that person. I want you to invite that person into your home. I want you to do that. And I want you to have dinner with them. And I want you to break bread with them. And I want them to know that they are invited. Okay, that was Luke 14, 12, episode one, season one. It's in the books. Next week, we'll have another message for you. Remember, go out there and invite the people who aren't invited. <laughs>